my wife and I were going through a season one time. It's just a, just a lot of bumps, and a lot of it was warfare. And I'll never forget. One day I said, "Lord, I really don't know what to do." He said, "Go sit in your backyard and laugh." <laughs> I said, "Sit in my backyard and laugh." So I went and I sat down. And at first I started laughing, and it was kind of fake. And then the joy of the Lord hit me, and Michael, mm-hmm. laughter ended that season. Encouraging, inspiring, and equipping leaders. This is Coach and Joe. Coach and Joe here with Big Iron Mike. Did you ever watch Mike Tyson, his prime? Oh, I loved watching Mike Tyson. He beat the tar out of people. Everybody. He was the most feared boxer in history. <clears throat> Not that tall, too. 5'10". Mm-hmm. I'd hate to, oh. him to be mad at me behind the bilo one night. Man, I mean, he was a terror. I mean, he had a hook. That you imagine uppercut. him saying, we need to talk. No. I'm, like, I'm good. Mm-mm. Whatever you need. Mm-mm. He's scary. <laughs> I want to read his biography. I know a little bit about how he was raised. He, his mess became his message. Oh yeah, I, I watch his old fights all the time. I love it. They got, they have them all a bunch on reels now. I got so mad one night. Me and my buddies, about twenty of us, paid a bunch of money for a pay per view. He beat Leon Spinks. I think nineteen oh, seconds. Nineteen seconds. Yeah, he knocked him out so like, fast. Night night. He he still holds the record as the youngest reigning heavyweight boxing champion that ever got it. Michael, since you've moved here, how long has it been? Almost four years. I have noticed something just watching you grow in this garden. I love how Abba keeps showing me that, growing in the garden. Uh, There's something in you that I've watched grow naturally. Before I tell you what it is, what is your definition of organic? My definition of organic would be just something that grows um, pretty freely um, without the help of many things. You know what's funny about it, though? Even in organic things, there's still structure. Yes. So with the Father, there's always structure. I have noticed something grow in you that actually has structure. Hmm. Sabbath. Oh. Let's talk about Sabbath. Yes. All right, so let's talk about the structure side of Sabbath. Well, you know, I just Sabbath whenever the Lord hits (laughs) me. No, it's not biblical. Sabbath one day a week. Mm -hmm. Seven days in a week. God's the one that created everything, all of us, everything. He set the thing up. Mm. He said, I think Sabbath's a thing pre-sin. Adam and Eve working in the garden. Yes. Before that sucker got in the garden and made everything awful, you still rested from work. Yes. You have, you you carry Sabbath. Mm-hmm. What do I mean when I say that? It's, a, it's more than just taking a vacation or resting. It's becoming rest. It's becoming part of who you are. So it's a culture inside of you. That's what I think of now when I think of Sabbath. And I think a lot of people, I know I did, didn't years ago, I didn't have a definition of Sabbath, you know. Or a practice of it. A practice of it. When you moved here, I noticed that you had a a global anointing. I could see it. The Father showed it to me. And he wasn't angry with you. He had to train you, teach you, and place you in a um, Sabbath system, structure, and he delivered you of an addiction to ministry, which you've talked about, you wrote your dissertation on. But now, four years later, I hope to get where you are with Sabbath. I hope four years from now, my fitness is just, I can't even remember the days of non-fitness. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. The Sabbath is something you don't need to be, you have to experience and practice Sabbath, yes. not talk about it. That's mm-hmm. It's like, Chad, you going to talk about prayer or pray? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? Yes. Tell me what you were like. I feel like I'm asking you what, mm-hmm. in like your rehab days. Sometimes I say, do you even remember that person? You're like, barely. What were you like pre-Sabbath DNA? 
mm-hmm. and now? <clears throat> I was always built to run and built to go. It's just been in me. And um, I've always felt like I've had a large capacity to handle a lot mm-hmm. of things. You did. And um, so that could be dangerous if you don't know how to Sabbath. Yeah. So basically my definition of Sabbath back then was let's take a vacation once a year, take yeah. seven days off. Yeah. That'll be a family vacation. Two weeks would be a stretch, but but if that's possible, we can do it. Um, and then a couple days off here and there yeah. over the calendar year. That was pretty much my Sabbath. You rest. know what he's showing me over you right now? What's that? He sovereignly moved you into a neighborhood with a lazy river. Yes. Y'all, we, y'all we love have, that thing. We have a... It's like a we party have a neighborhood pool that has a lazy river in it. You meet people there. I love it. That I, one kid brings the boombox. We have a kid that brings the big boombox. Our kids love it. They dance. I mean, and he plays the best playlist. Everybody in our neighborhood page says, you play the best neighborhood songs and playlist. He gets our whole pool jumping. But there is a lazy river in that pool that I could just get in and kick back. The father told you to stay in the lazy river. Mm-hmm. How do you explain mm. this weird paradox of, Actually, people who stay in the lazy river can accomplish more than those who don't. Yes. What is that all about? Well, when when we're at a place of rest, we are agreeing with his peace. And when his peace comes, when we're rested and we're in that peaceful state, it's the incubator for revelation. It's the incubator for insight, for, for him to speak to us, for him to see us. So if we're not in that place, a lot of times it's really hard to connect with him and get that. So staying in the lazy river actually positions us spiritually to receive fresh words, fresh direction, fresh revelation, just fresh connection time. It just comes. Do, do people just get... Okay, if chemicals help me disassociate from my pain... Mm-hmm. If overeating helps me associate disassociate from my pain, alcoholism, whatever the thing is, pornography for people, is work a numbing? Is overworking a numbing mechanism because I don't have time to think about my stuff? Absolutely, I think I think that's the the heart issue and problem for many people who we would define as workaholics. You know what I believe is a strategy for really connecting with the Father on deep level: mm-hmm. solitude without your Bible. Yes. I tell you what, solitude is so funny. I was literally thinking about this this morning in prayer time. And I call, I call some folks have what I call, it's just really hard for them to stay still. So I call them rovers. And what I mean by rovers is if it's really hard for you to sit still for 30 minutes, then you're pretty much you're a rover, which means there's something internally that's still, it's got you all twisted up. And so the thought of sitting silently or quietly for 30 minutes or plus, it's just, it just pains so many people. It's so hard to focus to do that. And it's, it's a lot of times it's because there's a lot of things we've just suppressed and pressed down. And I'm not even here to uh, bash that, Mm. judge it, or tell someone they're pathetic for it. I'm just simply saying there is a metric to knowing how close you are to the father. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now, this is 25 years, 20 20 years after being baptized in the Holy Spirit and really wanting to be really close friends with God. Solitude, if solitude does not come naturally for a person, it doesn't make the love of God for them decrease, but it is like stepping on a scale. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many many times in my real fat days, I will rational... 
I'll be like, well, the scale says that, but really it doesn't mean. No, the scale says what you weigh. Yeah. There is a there's a scale part to solitude. Mm-hmm. And the Lord will not leave me alone. I've never taught on this or talked about it except for the last two weeks. He will not stop talking to me about how many people use the Bible as a crutch. Mm. Mm. Wow. You, because if solitude. Yes. Okay, for five, the whole early church for 400 years before Constantine gets his hands on it. There's no written word, Michael. Mm-mm. So why did they accomplish more without the word than we're accomplishing with the word? Exactly. And I mean, the New Testament, New Testament disciples, I mean, they didn't, they weren't carrying around the New Testament. They were the New Testament. You know, I love the word, by the way. I, I do too. I love it. I'm just saying, I want to, I care, mm. I care more about the author of the word than even me memorizing scripture. Well, we'll look at the, if we look at the, it's a scripture on a timeline. So the law comes when the Torah, the word's written. That all comes through the age of Moses and that whole story. Well, there's a whole lot of years before that. There's a whole lot of people before that, especially Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the generation and the time period of the patriarchs, they had nothing. They had no scroll. They had no letter of Isaiah. They had nothing. So all they had was this right here is what we're talking about, is just pure relationship with him. Sabbath to me is actually a form of warfare. Mm. Resting is warfare. There's something that I'm discerning right now in my life, and I just feel like my only answer is just rest. Rest. I uh, that That's something, too, that I've gained here. Before, <clears throat> before pre, when I had not a full revelation of what Sabbath was, full in ministry, full going for God, I never... It sounded good, but I never understood the concept of how Sabbath could be warfare. You know, warfare was more, we're going to go for it in prayer and, you know, those things. But then when I begin to really Sabbath and really, really rest into it, I begin to see, oh, wow, this is a level of warfare. And so anytime where I could feel anxiety or anything raising up, I'm just going to rest. I'm just going to lean in him. I'm just going to trust him. And it literally is warfare. One of our musicians, I talked to this person today, this person and their spouse, and there was a pretty intense demonic dream last night. I've never given this word over anyone. The father showed me for this person Mm. that laughter, laughter and basically ignoring the devil would bring the freedom. I'm going to tell you something about warfare. If you're not careful, warfare can be more because you're engaging it than what's supposed to happen. Yes. Uh, I prepare for you a table in the presence of your enemies. Rest is violent warfare. Very violent. It's it's a position of faith and trust that we're leaning into. That's what makes it violent. My wife and I were going through a season one time. It's just just a lot of bumps, and a lot of it was warfare, and I'll never forget. One day I said, Lord, I really don't know what to do. He said, go sit in your backyard and laugh. (laughs) I said, sit in my backyard and laugh. So I went, and I sat down. At first I started laughing. And it was kind of fake. And then the joy of the Lord hit me. And Michael, mm. laughter ended that season. Wow. There's something about rest. You know, sometimes your deepest bonding times with God could be over your smoker, be in your kitchen. Some of y'all, you need to take a nap, go on a hike, read a cookbook. Mm. It's like, well, brother, we, we got to press in. We got to press in. I don't think they're pressing in in Genesis 1 and 2. There's a huge difference in a culture of contending mm-hmm. and a culture of resting. They're enjoying. A lot of this contending stuff is man-made. A lot of warfare is man-made. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think we actually self-sabotage and then yeah. we call it demonic warfare. Absolutely. And the devil loves it. He loves it. Uh, one time uh, we were having demonic manifestations in my house and I said, Father, I do not understand. And he said, throw every book away you've bought on spiritual warfare. Wow. I threw them away and it ended immediately. Mm. The devil loves attention. He loves it. Well, one of his major tactics is he loves to make mountains out of molehills. And so yeah. if he can get us to focus on something that's real small and make a big mountain out of it, we get so distracted. That's one of his major tasks is distraction. That's why Sabbath and rest is so important. It keeps you focused. You know what God told me one time that What's the that? devil can't stand? He cannot stand when we ignore him. Mm. I I hate gnats. I play a lot of golf with my boys, and when summer hits around June, July, it gets bad. Ugh. And sometimes the more you swat them, then you start focusing on them. And it's sometimes just just let them buzz. Just let them buzz. Let, them buzz. let the gnats buzz. Be at peace. <laughs> Rest well. God bless. Thanks for joining us on the Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast. Don't miss the Coach and Joe Talk Show on YouTube and check out coachandjoe.com for more resources, blogs, and merch. We will see you next time.